0: Hello, dearest listener. You have tuned in to At Your Peril by Arthur McBain and Owen Jenkins. Before we begin, a parish notice, a warning. What you are about to hear may terrify and horrify you to the very core of your being. It may also involve content unsuitable for children, those with a nervous disposition, or wimps. If you must, turn off your receiver No. No? In that case... We shall begin. At. Your. Peril. Do you want to be in cinema? I have seen your acting CV and headshot, and I'm impressed. I would like to meet you for a project I am casting, which will be shown in the cinema. This is an exciting top-secret project, so tell no one. If you want to be next on the big screen and you want to be a part of this mind blowing experience, please attend a meeting at 6 p.m. at 26 Alders Lodge, Fulham, this Friday, the 13th of November. Please bring this letter with you, and it is of the utmost importance that you do not be late, as I can't work with amateurs.
1: Warmest regards, Andy Michaels, Director of Films. David read and reread the letter. So much about it was intriguing. How had this guy found him? What was this film project? After initial Google, there seemed to be no record of a film director by that name. There was an Andy Michaels in Quebec who seemed to have a thriving business selling handmade wooden spoons. But no Andy Michaels, director of film. This was disheartening, and he considered the possibility it was some kind of scam. But that didn't seem likely either. After all, why on earth would he have provided his address? David weighed up his options. It was nice to be offered an audition. He'd not acted in any capacity, either professionally or otherwise, for over a year and a half, which is about 12 actor years. He hadn't attended his improv group, Mission Improvable, for months, and was starting to feel silly when he told people he was resting. To make matters worse, his agent had quit the industry to start a cat coffee shop, leaving him agentless and, on the whole, auditionless. He paid his bills by pulling pints, which made him feel depressed, and his actor-girlfriend Kirsty didn't make him feel any better about himself by telling him that the reason he wasn't getting any work as an actor was because of his speech impediment. A speech impediment that, to the world at large, was barely noticeable, and would feign to be called a lisp. She called it a... Sibilant S. Which pissed off David even more, because she had obviously researched it, and because he... Couldn't himself properly pronounce it.
0: It's that sibilant S, darling.
1: She had said one evening while he was washing the dishes. I mean, I find it cute, but it's basically a disability. David, already deeply self-conscious about the way he spoke, and in a terrible mood after someone spilled a Jager bomb on his new shoes at work, erupted into a Mount Etna of rage. He shouted and swore, waving his yellow marigold gloves around frantically and causing bubbles to fly about like tiny nuggets of scorn. In his violent temper, he grabbed a book from the kitchen table and lobbed it at her head. It was Uta Hagen's respect for acting. It narrowly missed her. The book displayed a poignant irony, which Kirsty enjoyed, but all the same, it had terrified her. She had no idea David had such behaviour in him. David hadn't heard from her for a week after that. He tried ringing her a few times to apologise, but he could never get through, and she did not respond to any of his messages. But there was hope. Maybe this audition with Andy Michaels, director of films, would be the turning point. The first rung on the ladder to success. The first stepping stone across the river of Korea. The first rollo from the packet of fame. He would write about the odd little letter he received, which ended up launching his Hollywood career very wittily in his best-selling autobiography in years to come. And he won't even mention Kirsty in it. That'll really piss her off. His mind was made up. He would attend the audition. The week crawled by until, eventually, it was the big day. David warmed up his voice and his body, spending a considerable amount of time in a wobbly, downward-facing dog until all the blood rushed to his head. He picked out his outfit. Something smart and respectable. Something casual. Something appealing without appearing desperate. Shirt, jeans, shoes, done. And, thanks to some violent scrubbing, the shoes had only a minimal, barely perceptible Jagerbomb stain, which David had to admit was a real bonus. He made his way out into the throngs of the city with plenty of time. On the tube, it struck him how nervous he was. With every clack of the track, his blood pressure rose. This could be nothing. An unknown director with big ambitions and not much else. But it could also be the start of something very exciting. He felt awkward with no script to prepare, and despite being in a packed train carriage, he felt lonely. He thought about Kirsty. Thought about how nice it would have been to have her settle his nerves, stroke his hair the way he liked it. This was the longest he'd gone without speaking to her and the guilt of his outburst had been replaced by the self pity of being ignored. He arrived at the given address to find a smart block of flats overlooking the Thames. It was getting dark. At the main door, he rang the buzzer of flat 26 and waited.
0: Who
1: is it? A lyrical voice blurted through the tinny intercom.
2: Hi, uh, it's uh, David Cospetson. I'm, I'm here for the casting. Ah, oh, hello David!
1: Now you are
0: a little early, but that's all okay. Ray can come and fetch you. Ray? Ray? Ray! He's downstairs! What are you going to get-
1: David waited patiently at the door, checking his hair in the reflection of a car window. A minute later, a squat man in a leather jacket and a ragged beanie hat opened the door.
2: Right, David, is it? Uh, Yes. Right, good. Brilliant. Uh, Hello, how are you doing? I'm Ray.
1: His jaw jutted out, making him look like a bulldog. There was a look in his eyes that made him seem as though he wasn't looking at anything at all. He wouldn't have looked out of place as a butler in a haunted house. Nice to meet you. David politely held out his hand. Ray didn't seem to notice this, however, and turned his back on David, instead replying, Not too bad, face. Right, follow me. David went with Ray up some stairs. He was hunched and twitchy, like he'd had no sleep and too many coffees. The stairwell was impressively grand, with intricate details of vines and flowers etched into the banister. The place felt cool and calm. It was definitely quiet, or would have been were it not for Ray. Ray, strange little man that he was, muttered.
2: Yeah, cool, great, brilliant, good. Muttered cool, brilliant, quietly
1: and yes, constantly, sir, cool. as though he yeah. were apologetically reciting a stream of prayers towards an angry god. But it wasn't prayers he was muttering. It would have seemed less odd if it were prayers. Here, have you got that letter? Oh, yeah, um, it's here. David handed over the letter to Ray, who snapped it up and stuffed it into his pocket. Right, good. Brilliant, thanks. right Just through here then. Ray pushed a key into a door, marked Flat 26, muttering his affirmations all the while. The flat was large and full of antique paintings and furniture. It was dirty around the edges too. Marks skidded all over the walls and there was dust everywhere. There was also lots of film equipment, wires strewn all across the floor, some large softbox lights and a digital camera set up by the large bay windows at the opposite end of the room. A battered old Chesterfield armchair contained the poised body of a middle-aged man. His hair was long and wiry, and was that dirty grey colour that almost looks green. He breathed heavily through his hairy nostrils and clasped his hands over his chest. Oh, hello David! Thanks so much for coming. I'm Andy, and this is Ray. No doubt he's already introduced himself. Washay, cracky. David went over and shook Andy's hand, which was soft and limp. Ray stalked around the room like a dog that doesn't know if it's allowed to sit down.
2: Good, right, brilliant, great, bloody brilliant. Now that's a day out.
1: As David retreated from the handshake, he noticed the view from the windows the sun setting over the Thames, splashing light through the skyscrapers of the city, and bouncing glimmers off the water in an ecstasy of reds and golds. It was spectacular. There was a silence that went on just a second too long and needed to be filled. Cool place. <laughs> is that the Thames? He knew it was the Thames. Andy grinned. His teeth were large and crooked. Yes. Yes, it is. His tone was pleasant, but you could sense a glimmer of condescension. A tone that said, Of course it's the fucking Thames. Cool. He smiled and stood awkwardly. Berating himself for talking gibberish. First impressions are everything, he screamed to himself. Very slowly, Andy turned his attention away from David. Ray? Yes, Andy? You've forgotten something. A pause filled the air like noxious gas. Oh, yeah. What
0: have you forgotten? Oh, yeah. I don't know.
1: Andy took a long, slow walk towards Ray. Like a leopard stalking its prey. Just as he got close to Ray's nose, Andy spoke. To ask David if he'd like a drink. <laughs> he let out a guffaw, which instantly relaxed the jittery Ray.
2: Right, yeah, brilliant, good, right. Sorry, Andy. Sorry, David. Sorry, Ray.
1: Andy turned back to David. What would you like, David? Tea? Coffee? Juice? Schler, slur.
0: Schlur, David. Oh, it's rather good. Elderflower? Schlur.
2: Oh, nah. Uh, I'm alright, thanks. You're quite schlur. Sure?
1: Oh, go on then. Thanks. Ray? Andy signalled to Ray as though he was an irritating child. Yeah, right. Okay, not tea, not coffee, not juice, but schlur. As Ray left the room, David and Andy were once again in silence. Although he hadn't been there long, David wasn't all that certain the audition was going very well. Andy stared at David and smiled blankly. As they sat, they could hear Ray rattling around in the kitchen. Finally, in a desperation to fill the quiet, David pointed to a crudely painted portrait of a woman in a sun hat, which hung on the wall. Art? Yes. Now tell me, have you always had a sibling to David? <clears throat> yes. <Yeah, yeah. clears throat> Suddenly, Andy twitched. His attention caught like a rabbit listening. Is he going through the drawers? Oh, no, 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 no. He knows not to. Before long, Ray re-entered the room with a glass of schlur. It had a curly straw and a miniature umbrella sticking out of the top. David thanked Ray, took the drink and had a sip. And he sniffed. Quenched?
0: (sighs) Yeah. Good, isn't it? Shla. Great! Let's
1: get started. Ray, could you help me? Yep. We'll do. Yep. Sure thing, Andy. Yep. We'll do. Yep. Okay. Yep. Fine. Yep. Andy seemed excited, as together he and Ray went over to the large bay windows, and in perfect unison and with a balletic vigour, pulled down a large projector screen. Here it is! The Pierre de résistance.
0: Sick, isn't it, David? Uh, yeah. Revolutionised my screen
1: tests, hasn't it, Ray? Yep. Cool. Yo! Yo? Shut up, Ray! Ray glanced up and nodded, then began clumsily laying a large blue tarpaulin over the floor like a carpet. He looked like a bear attempting to erect a tent. He was taking more time over it than any person ought to. Oh,
0: come on, Ray! Sorry. Sorry, Andy.
2: Sorry, Ray. Sorry, David. It's all right, just,
0: you know, we've got
1: a guest, and I'm sure he doesn't want to be here all day. (laughs) By now, Ray had laid all of the tarp on the floor, and Andy had gained some composure. Sorry, David, you're our first of the day. we are all a bit, uh,
0: three grapes and one banana, as you can see. No worries. Are you, uh, are you seeing many people for this? ''Oh, yes, yes. Uh, Isn't that right, Ray?'' ''One in, one out, one in, one out, and hop-a-loop until we've seen them all.'' (laughs) ''It's been an ongoing process. I think we're ready to start, so can I just get you to just
1: pop yourself down there?'' He gestured to a plastic fold-down chair, which Ray had set up on the top of the blue tarpaulin. Curiously, Ray had also hooked the tarpaulin up onto the ceiling, which draped and covered the entire rear wall. David hadn't been to many auditions, but this struck him as unusual.'' and definitely a first. Obediently, David went to sit on the chair and his image flashed up on a projector screen which was fed directly from the camera pointed towards him. David had never seen himself blown up so big and he quickly began to feel self-conscious. There was a pause while Andy tinkered around with the camera and the lights. It was silent, But for Ray, who was still muttering to himself quietly at the other end of the room.
0: I'm going to get Ray to film the whole casting, I hope that's okay. Uh, Yeah, sure.
2: Uh, Oh, have you, um, it's just, uh, I never got a script, and, um... Ah, well,
0: I can see you're an eager weasel. Itching, just itching to find out a little more, but at least for the moment... I'm going to hold off on scratching you. So, first thing's
1: final, I'd like for you to tell me about yourself. Andy smiled kindly, while David tried to process what he was being asked to do. Eventually, he gave up. Sorry, you're filming this, but... Yes, Ray is capturing it all. Every detail, every nuance. Andy was now fully in his director mode. This was when Ray liked Andy least. Take your time. <clears throat>
2: Sorry, I'm just not used to being
0: filmed. We have started, David.
1: Andy's temper was fraying. It's
0: just that this isn't what I was expecting. We have started, and I'm asking you to
2: tell me about yourself. Um, my name is David, and I like to... Cut! 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 Cut, Ray! Cut! Cut! Cut!
1: Snippity-snip! Andy stood for a moment and massaged his temples with his fingers. (sighs) David... I've given you a very simple instruction.
0: I've asked you to tell me a little about yourself. I, I haven't asked you to yodel. I haven't asked you to recite the complete works of the bard, God rest his soul. And I haven't asked you to drop trow and do a stinky little turd right there in the corner of the room. Yet you're looking at me like I have.
1: Here, and he paused for dramatic emphasis. Look. I was an
0: actor like you once. I was asked to do all manner of things, some of them I didn't agree with. But I learned very quickly to always give the director's suggestion a try. Why? Because at the end of the day, the director is always right.
1: Look, when I worked on Cats, the musical, we had this chap who couldn't fit in the cat And he was interrupted by Ray clutching the watch on his wrist. Andy?
2: Andy, uh, uh, I've got to move the car Uh, half past.
1: Quite right, I digress. Ray? Ray nodded and flicked a thumbs up at Andy to sign that they were rolling again. Andy smiled, and this time it seemed disingenuous. Whatever the part was, David didn't think he'd got it. David, tell me a little about yourself.
2: Um, well... So, my name's David, I'm, uh, I'm 22, I've done a bit of work in, uh, in, uh, short play, um,
1: and I also... CUT! Again, Andy massaged his temples, and then looked at David for what felt like eternity, drilling into his skull. Look. I'm going to ask you straight. Do you
0: think this is going well? Oh, well, we haven't really done anything yet. Exactly. That's exactly my point, David. I want to hear about you. Forget the acting stuff. I work in a pub, done a play. Boring. Boring, boring, boring. I want to know about you. When's the last time you really felt... Really felt something, David. Felt what? Emotion! My project is all about understanding human emotions. So, I'm looking for actors who have the ability to access their raw emotions on camera. Anger, fear. Am I
1: making sense? Yes. David hadn't quite understood, but he'd started badly and was eager to impress. So, tell me the last time you were really... Angry. Mm. Well,
2: uh, I was at work, and... Um, Go on. Uh, well, um, I, work in the, I work in a bar, and a customer was really rude to me, so... Um, Ugh. Again,
0: I'm going to stop you. Andy and Ray shared a glance. I found this exercise works a little better if you know the person a little better. Not some stranger, but a person you can... name. I also don't want you to pick a time you were mad at a family member, because in that case the anger is confused with love. No, an acquaintance usually works best. Maybe a fellow actor? And to put it bluntly, I want you to consider a time you were so angry you wished the person in question were dead.
1: Ray was twitching in the kitchen. (laughs)
2: Mm. Oh well, um, well the girl I was seeing, um, Kirsty, and in Ray,
0: shared another glance. Again, David, I worry we fall into the muddy waters of love. Try and think of someone else.
2: Okay, when I was graduating, uh, this guy in my year, um, I thought he was my friend to be honest. But um, well, we did a show to acting agents and stuff. And uh, and we had our pictures and our CV outside on the tables, so so they could like you know pick one up after the show, and and I thought loads of agents had been interested because because you see all my pictures were gone, but but before they'd even arrived, he'd just he'd just thrown all
0: mine in a bin. Good, much much better, David. "'That was very cruel of him, very cruel indeed. "'Destroying your biggest chance at getting noticed on the London movie scene, "'blasting apart any glimmer of hope you once had "'by destroying the thing that will most help not only your CV, "'but also your headshot. "'No, no, 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 that is just not kosher, is it? "'That's foul plague, if ever I heard it, foul plague indeed.' It sure could make a man pop his lid, couldn't it, Ray? That was not nice. That was very naughty of him. And what do you remember as the moment when you were most angry?
2: Looking into his stupid, smug, smiling face when he told me. He thought it was really funny and he
1: didn't even apologise. Excellent. This is excellent. Now we're going to try something. Andy leapt up and grabbed the crude painting of the woman in the hat from the wall and placed it opposite David. Okay, imagine that this woman is him. What's his name? Daniel. Andy's eyes flickered.
0: Imagine this is Daniel. Now, put yourself in that moment where you are angry and go for it.
1: Say whatever you want, just go for it. David had not come across this acting method before and it stumped him. Staring at the woman didn't make him think of Daniel. It made him think of a woman in a sun hat. Nevertheless, he mustered all the anger he could and shouted,
2: I HATE YOU, DANIEL!
1: The failure of his attempt hung in the air like a bad smell. Mmm, okay.
0: Now try again. This time, say his full name.
1: I HATE YOU, DANIEL EVANS! Amazingly, it was even worse. Hmm, let's try something else.
0: This time I want you to express your anger through movement. Now, I'll play some music. Don't stop moving until the music finishes. Like musical statues?
1: No. Andy ran to some speakers and began playing a piece of music. And David began moving to it. Every now and then, he would get a glance of himself in the huge projector screen, dancing and moving about as gracefully as a pissed-up goose. It lasted for what felt like a decade. The song ended. David slumped back down in the seat, and he peered at him, with pity in his eyes. Okay,
0: uh, let's try one last thing. Sometimes, rage is enhanced when we feel suppressed. Now, if it's okay with you, I'm going to hold you down to the chair with this rope. You won't be able to move your hands, and this might allow feelings of frustration to boil up, so we can get a really good screen test of you at your
1: angriest. Is that all right? Hesitantly, David nodded, and Ray came over with some rope and tied him to the chair.
2: Hadi. 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 I want to speak with you.
0: I'm busy, Ray.
2: No, no. Andy, this time Ray's not waiting. Uh,
1: Will you excuse me one moment? I need to speak with Ray. The two of them filed out of the room and closed the door behind them. David couldn't hear what they were saying, but their voices were starting to raise. Minutes passed by. Ray had done a very good job of tying David up. He tried wriggling slightly, and he was well and truly stuck. The conversation in the other room came to an end, and they both came back in. Ray first, a little sheepishly, followed by Andy, triumphant and calm. I'm sorry for the hold-up. We were just getting
0: to some good work there. Ray, apologise to David for holding him up. Ray?
2: Ray! Sorry. Sorry. Oh, it's totally fine. Uh, I'd quite like to be
0: untied, if that's all right. Oh, but we were just getting somewhere. Now, David, once again, let's get you back into that angry state. I want you to picture Daniel Evans. It was Daniel Evans, wasn't it? Yeah. Good. Now, take a moment for yourself. Take as long as you want to get really angry. Use the fact you're tied up to help you enhance the anger. And when you think you're at your angriest, say... Daniel Evans, I wish you were dead. All clear?
1: Yeah, I think so. Good. Action! David mustered up everything he had ever felt angry about. Images flashed through his mind. Daniel Evans. Kirsty. His dad. He could feel his heart beating faster and faster, and he started to sweat as he fought against the ropes around his arms. A fire burned from his belly, and he erupted the line.
2: Daniel Evans, I
0: wish you were dead. Wow, that was quite something. Well done, David. Oh, that's it. That's the money
1: take. (laughs) You've got the job. You are to be in my project. A party popper went off in David's belly. Had he heard correctly? It felt amazing, not only to get praise from this interesting director, but knowing in his heart he'd done a good job. Oh, thanks. That felt really good, actually. In his mind's eye, he was already battling the crowds at the premiere, already wearing sunglasses to hide from the paparazzi, and, most importantly, fixing things with Kirsty with his newfound confidence. The room spun around him, and he would have jumped for joy, were it not for the rope. I have to say,
2: this is a bit tight on my wrist. Could we untie it now, please? (laughs) We're not done
0: quite yet. Now we're moving on to fear. I'm going to show you my
1: project so far. I'd love to know what you think. David felt honored to be one of the team. And he pressed a button on the camera. Some more music started playing. And on the projector, which David could just see if he turned to his side, was a young, skinny actor sat where he was sitting now. He shouted the line, Chris Jones. I wish you were dead. Then another actor repeated the same line with a different name. Then another, and another. This continued as more and more actors and actresses appeared on the screen, each saying the same line. I wish you were dead. Each time, there was a different name. It seemed each name spoken in the repeated line was the name of the person that would appear next, the footage had been edited badly. Then suddenly, he saw Kirsty. She looked small and vulnerable. She said, David Cuthbertson, I wish you were dead. Then the screen went black.
0: And now here we are.
1: What do you think? David was lost for words. He didn't quite know what he'd just seen. He managed to say the only thing that was going through his head. Curse the audition too? Andy nodded with a comforting grin. She was very good. Very good indeed. Now then,
0: fear. You don't have to say any lines for this one, although you may wish to
1: improvise. Up to you, really. Just try to look into the camera... Ray? Ray bounded over and held onto the arms of the chair as if he were spotting a ladder. He smelt of stale cigarettes. Mumbling away, louder this time, as though he was trying to block out the outside world. David thought he could hear him saying,
2: don't want to do anymore, Andy, Andy, I don't want to do anymore.
1: But he wasn't sure because then he turned to see Andy holding an electric screwdriver. Andy pressed a button and the projector screen came on again. This time, the first actor he had seen was screaming and screaming, and to David's horror, he saw a screwdriver come into shot and in to the screaming actor's skull. Blood burst out of his head, and his body slumped. Then the next actor, screaming, then blood, then the next, then the next. As it continued, David became paralysed with terror. He felt sick. Then he saw Kirsty. By the time the screwdriver had entered Kirsty's skull on the screen, David was weeping and retching automatically. But he tried telling himself that this might be some kind of practical joke. Not very funny, he thought. Then, on cue, as if Andy was silently directing him, David screamed in ear splitting terror. He heard a buzz near his head, and then he couldn't see anymore. All he knew was sharp, endless pain. The last thing David saw was his own blood splattering the blue tarpaulin. It was all over very quickly. And soon, Andy was removing the screwdriver from David's brain. Ray untied David's corpse from the chair.
2: This is wrong, this is bad. I'm not doing anymore, don't make me do anymore.
1: Now remember, if you tell
0: anyone about this, we both go down. You're in on it, so there's no escape. Do I make myself clear? But, but don't panic. Soon my masterpiece will be ready. Do you have the letter we sent to David? Yeah. Good. Burn it.
1: Andy wiped the blood off his screwdriver. Two weeks later, Daniel Evans had just finished his shift in the call centre. It was where he worked when he wasn't acting. It pandered to his needs because he had to do lots of talking down the phone, and Daniel's favourite sound was his own voice. He got into the lift on his floor and pressed for ground level. In the main foyer, the sun was beaming in through the large glass doors. Just as he was leaving, Clive, the man on the front desk, called him back.
2: Daniel! Daniel! a roy for you today. Meant to bring it up earlier. Sorry. Cheers,
1: Clivo. Walking down the street, Daniel began to open the envelope. That's funny.
2: I never get posts at work. There's it's an early birthday card.
1: He unfolded the crisp paper and read with a smile on his face.
0: Do you want to be in cinema?
1: This was no early birthday card, but it could be exactly what his career needed The audition was narrated by
2: Owen Jenkins David was voiced by Arthur McBain Daniel and Ray were voiced by Chris Jameson Andy was voiced by Dominic Allen and Kirsty was Helen Derbyshire
1: So, Arthur,
2: what's next? Next month we have a story called Heirloom. Oh, your voice went a little bit lower then. This is a spooky one. It is, it's a ghost story. Yeah, yeah. Do you know um, uh, yesterday, no day before yesterday, I actually walked past a salon called (laughs) Heirloom. Okay.